Hello ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. Well, today we are looking at the epilogue of Judges, or the ending of Judges. This may be the darkest section in the whole Bible. We do not see any judges raised up in this section, but what we do see is how the religious life of the nation and its religious leaders have declined. We see how low the morals of the Israelites have come, and that leads to an ungodly political life as well. Keep in mind that these events are probably not chronological in order, but that the writer of the book placed them in the order to go from bad to worse. We also see a phrase that gets repeated throughout this final section of Judges. In 17.6 and 21.25, we get the full phrase. In those days, there was no king of Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. In 18.1 and 19.1, we see just the first half listed. In those days, there was no king in Israel. First off, this gives us a clue that probably the writing of this book happened after there was a king of Israel. So one of the main points in this section and throughout the entire book is the importance of godly leadership. And ladies, keep in mind that we all have spheres of influence. And the question this book presents to us is, does our life reflect a leader that brings people closer to God and his ways or farther away from God and his ways. The second half of the phrase, everyone did what was right in his own eyes, shows the disregard of God and his law. Just the other day, my hubby was talking to a young man about a family situation, and the world says something totally different than what God says. And my hubby said to him, God's ways are not old-fashioned, they're right. When we align ourselves up to the ways of God, we find blessing and wisdom. His ways are right. It is when we do whatever we think is right that we end up a total mess. Well, ladies, let's dive into our final chapters of Judges. In chapter 17, we have a Jewish man named Micah who stole money from his own mother. The mother cursed the thief, and so Micah confessed and restored the money. He didn't want to be cursed. The mother used the silver to make a graven image and a molten image. I learned the difference is that a graven image is carved and possibly covered with metal, and a molten image is metal that is shaped into an image. Then Micah made an ephod, what the priests wore, and a family idol. This form of religion where they mix their Jewish faith with a pagan faith is called syncretism. He then consecrated one of his sons as a priest. They were from the tribe of Ephraim, and only Levites were to be priests. Then we have that full phrase, that there was no king in Israel, but everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Then in verse 7, we see a Levite who was from Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah. Now, it may be that because Levites had cities within each tribe, that he became a mix between the two tribes. He sojourned there. Micah hired him to be his personal priest in place of his son, probably because this guy was legit. 
Micah consecrated him, and then he said to himself, Now I know the Lord will be good to me, since I have a Levite priest. In chapter 8, verse 1, it says again, In those days, no king in Israel, the tribe of Dan, whose allotment was located north of Judah and on the edge of the Philistine coastal plains, they said they did not have enough land. Now keep in mind, they never took all the land that God had promised them, but they sent spies out to find land for them to take. When they reached Micah's house, they recognized the Levite and asked how he ended up there, and they asked his wisdom about their trip. The priest told them to go in peace and that the Lord would guide their way. They found a place called Laish, which is on the northern tip of the land of Israel. So they went home, got the fighting men, and as they headed northward, again they stopped at Micah's house. This time they took the priest, the graven image, and the ephod, and the idol, and the molten image. The priest thought it would be better for him to be the priest of a tribe of Israel versus just a man's priest. He was all about climbing that ladder of success. The Danites overtook the northern tip of Israel and called it Dan. It was not until verse 30 that we see the Levite's name. His name was Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the grandson of Manasseh, also known as Moses. According to one commentator, this Levite was so ungodly in his character that the writer did not want to use the name Moses when describing him. It continues to say that Jonathan and his sons continued to be priests until the day of captivity of the land. Then verse 31 says, All the time the house of God was in Shiloh, past tense. So that also gives us a clue that it will be moving. In chapter 19, we see a Levite, and this Levite was also on a journey. He took a concubine from Bethlehem, Judea. It sounds as if she was unfaithful to him and left him to go back to her father's house. Four months later, he went back to get her. Her father greeted him and encouraged him to stay. Finally, on the fifth day, they left, but the father asked them to stay and eat lunch first. The father tried to get them to stay the night again, but they did not. They traveled to Jerusalem, and the servant asked for them to stay there that night. But since the Jews had not yet taken the city of Jerusalem, and it was still ruled by the Jebusites, they did not. Instead, they went to Gibeah, since they are of the children of Israel. They should have stayed with the Jebusites. No one took them in, even though they had provisions. There was an older man there who had also sojourned there. He opened his home and warned them to not stay the night outside in the streets. While they were inside and having a good time of fellowship and eating, the men of the city, certain sons of Belial, which means sons of worthlessness or sons of good for nothing, came out just like with Sodom and Gomorrah, which is found in Genesis chapter 19. The men would not listen and they kept harassing them and wanting the men to come out. So the Levite gave the men his concubine. Then they group raped and abused her all night until morning, until the day began to spring. In the dawning of the day, the woman came and fell down at the door of the man's house where her lord, master, owner was staying. 
When he got up, he opened the door to go his way, and behold, the woman, his concubine, had fallen down at the door, and her hands were on the threshold. He told her, Get up and let's be going. There was no answer. She was dead. He picked up her body, carried it home, cut it up in twelve pieces, and sent a piece to each of the tribes of Israel. We see that he had no concern for her, nor is there respect for the human body. Plus, a Levite was not even to touch a dead body, so there was no respect for his position. When the Israelites saw their specific peace, they said, Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel. Consider it. Take advice and speak your minds. So in chapter 20, says all the children of Israel went out and the congregation was gathered together as one man from Dan to Beersheba. This means from the northernmost tip of Israel to the southernmost tip of Israel. We see that phrase that they were as one man in verses 1, 8, and 11. The men that did this evil deed were from the tribe of Benjamin. So a civil war ensued. The Benjamites were great warriors and many were left-handed and they could sling stones and never missed. The children of Israel went up to the house of God and asked counsel of God, which tribe should go first against the children of Benjamin? And Judah was decided. Well, the tribes of Israel lost. They tried a second time. This time they went up and wept before the Lord until the night. The second time they asked, shall we go up again to the battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother? The Lord said, go. They still lost. On the third time, then all the people went up and came into the house of God. In Hebrew, this is Bethel. And there is a town called Bethel or Bethel, and some people think that the tabernacle was moved from Shiloh to here, Bethel, house of God. It may also still be in Shiloh, and they may just be calling that the house of God. Well, the people wept, and they sat there before the Lord and fasted until evening, and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And it says the children of Israel inquired of the Lord, for the ark of the covenant of God was there in those days. And Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days. And they asked, Shall I yet go again to battle against the children of Benjamin, my brother, or shall I stop? The Lord said, Go, and I will deliver them into your hands. Similar to Joshua's plan with the town of Ai, they hid around the town. The first group acted as if they were retreating, which drew out the Benjamites. And verse 35, and the Lord smote Benjamin before Israel. Then the hidden tribes laid siege to the town and burnt it. When they saw the smoke, they knew they had won against the tribe of Benjamin. 600 of the men fled to the rock Ramon and stayed four months. The rest of the tribe of Dan were killed and the cities were destroyed. In the last chapter, we see that the Israelites swore that they would never give their daughters to any Benjamite. Then it says that the people came to the house of God and stayed until evening before God, and they wept because there was now one tribe almost totally destroyed. That morning, they built an altar and gave burnt offerings and peace offerings unto the Lord. 
They then remembered that they had made a vow that anyone from the tribe of Israel that did not come and fight would be put to death. They realized that Jabesh Gilead did not come and fight, so the Israelites went across the Jordan River on the east side in the tribe of Manasseh, and they killed everyone from Jabesh Gilead except for 400 young virgins. Then they went up to the rock Ramon and asked the Benjamites to come down. They recognized they still needed 200 more women for these men. Then verse 15 says, And the people repented for Benjamin because the Lord had made a breach in the tribes of Israel. The elders of Israel then said, We vowed not to give any of our daughters to them, but there is a yearly feast at Shiloh where our daughters come and dance. All the Benjamite men who do not have wives yet can lie in wait and then they can take whatever woman they want. They did. The Benjamites went back to their land and rebuilt their cities and dwelt there. Then the last two verses say, The children of Israel departed at that time, every man to his own tribe, to his own family, and every man to his own inheritance. In these days there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. One thing to keep in mind, ladies, is that in this culture, they had forgotten that women too are made in the image of God. Women were thought of as just property. Thankfully, not all Jewish men thought that, because we see in the story of Ruth, which also happens during the time of Judges, what true love looks like. We also will see what a godly man looks like and what a godly woman looks like. And we will see that not all the people during this time did what was right in their own eyes. There were some during the dark ages of Israel that did seek the Lord. Judges also sets up the next stage of government for Israel. In Judges, they had a theocracy, theo, God, government ruled by God. But that's not working. And it's not because of God. It's because the people did not follow God. Instead, they became like Canaan. They became like the world. I have read this phrase in many of the books that I've read, that in Judges we see the canonization of Israel. They became as Canaan. They became like the world. It makes me think of the era in which we live today. So the next stage of government will be a kingdom. The only problem there is that when the king chooses to not follow the ways of the Lord, the nation follows as well. Israel's first king is Saul. And guess what tribe he's from? Benjamin. (laughs) So we can guess how well that's going to go. But the second king is King David. And he is described as a man after God's own heart. The problem is he's not perfect either. But it sets the stage for a king of kings and a lord of lords who will come. Jesus comes from the line of David and makes a heavenly kingdom. When Jesus stood before Pilate and Pilate asked Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? This is in John chapter 18. Jesus replies, my kingdom's not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight. So I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Then Pilate asks, so you are a king then? And Jesus replies, you say I am a king. To this end, meaning his death, I was born. 
And for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of truth hears my voice. Ladies, are you a woman of truth? Pilate asked, what is truth? And Jesus never responded. One thing we see in scripture, Old and New Testament, is that all people sin. That's the truth. And there is a God in heaven, and he is holy, and we are not. And we need something to bridge that gap. So Jesus, who is God, the Son of God, and also the Son of Man, totally human, came and died and arose, and he paid the price so that we can become a part of the family of God. Ladies, there's no other religion that's like this one. Because of Jesus, we can now handle the truth. So ladies, if you hear his voice today, let's not harden our hearts and listen to the lies of the evil one and the lies of the world. Let's be women of truth. One prayer I have prayed many times in my lifetime is, God, please let me live in truth about myself, about my marriage, about my kids, about my job, about my life, about my church. It's only when we face the truth can we find true life. And when we live in truth, we find this amazing creator God, this amazing rescuer God, this amazing saving God that is also an amazing loving God. And that is why Jesus came. For God so loved the world, he loved you, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. There is an everlasting kingdom that God wants us to be a part of. So ladies, Let's be women of truth. Until next time, and thank you so much for listening.